Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Back to the Lark Cast. You are tuning in to the Lark Cats. Russ is here with me. Russ, what's up, man? Good to see you. What's up? What's up? The Lark Cats. For those who don't know me, my name's my name's Tony. Sorry for that noise. That's the sound of tortilla, tortilla, tortilla chips. Tortillo chips. Tortillo chips. <laughs> that reminds Being me enjoyed. of. Uh, that reminds me of that scene from Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Yes, I thought about the same thing. <laughs> Where uh, I heard, so it's uh, it's Monique and uh, Epps, Mike Epps. And um, the scene was supposed to be him sneaking into the shower to this girl he's got a crush on. But Monique surprised him and she's in the shower. And um, the whole thing was, uh, um, what do they call that? Um like improv, impromptu, yeah, improv, yeah. yes, improv. Wasn't planned. Yes. So Monique peeks her head around the curtain, and she's got, uh, like, <laughs> she's got shaving cream on her face. Her face, like she's shaving goes, her beard. Reggie, is that you? He goes, oh, <laughs> there's a linebacker in the shower. You need to lay off those tortillo chips. Goes Reggie, you's a freak. I'm gonna tell my daddy you's coming in here to try to see my treats. You's <laughs> a common freak. That's what she called her. And then she says, "Ham in my feminine wash." <laughs> Bro, that is the funniest part of that whole movie. I remember when that oh, came man. out. Golly, there's something, dude. There, there is a, there is a joy. A true joy in humor, man. Like just like straight up laughter. Okay. Laughter and human connection, you could say, that comes from levity. I know we've talked about this before, but yes, you, you can't get away from it. Like there's just something beautiful, man, that comes from people who are not taking themselves so seriously. Yes. When they get together, whether it's make an album or make some food or throw a dinner or a party or come around a friend in need. Okay. Or make a movie. Like there's just something funny, man. Genuinely funny, lighthearted, life-giving that comes from that levity, man. Mm-hmm. And I think comedians possess it the best. Like they just totally got no place where they just don't take themselves or humanity that seriously. And I think some of that is I, I don't because I've sat with the idea of self-forgetfulness, levity, you know, and I know that it is a fruit of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that I think you can experience seasons of it, moments of it, but even like comedians, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness, you know, behind those, mm-hmm. those laughs and there's a lot of addiction and even some comedians who have killed themselves and, you know, various things. I mean, go on down the list, man, you know? Oh yeah. Um, the best ones, you know, I mean, it's crazy. The best. It's, heart- it's heartbreaking. 
you know, yeah. John Candy, John Belushi, you know, Chris yes. Farley, um, Robin, Robin Williams, Williams, bro. Yeah. You're not going to get all, more brilliant than that. Right, 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 right. And it's like, <clears throat> I'll be in like an argument with my wife and I'll be like, I'll be like, stop taking yourself so seriously. The very next day, I will be so caught up in taking myself so seriously. Yes. Yes. So it's like, it's not so much we're over here saying like levity, like get on our level. We've arrived. It's like, no, we long for those moments where the gospel is like bearing fruit in our lives of with levity because we know we need it so bad. Yes. Yeah. Spontaneous would be the best word for it. spontaneous levity i don't think it's something you ascribe to it's something as much as it is something that you respond to Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's like these moments where you just find yourself laughing Mm -hmm. about things that you used to be so up in arms about yeah and so i it's not something you aim at yeah my thing is um a lot of times people think i don't take myself too seriously because like i do a lot of like the self-deprecating humor like people like poke fun at me it's like, oh man, like, look at Tony. It's like being a good sport. Like, you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. What people don't know is like, I'll take attention any which way I can get it. Like, I just love attention. So if it's like, if it's a negative thing, like, yes, please continue on with this story about me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite comfortable in this situation. I've never, I've never seen that about you. <laughs> oh man, he's being a really good sport. It's like, nah, I'm just getting attention right now. So I'm good. Hey, uh, Russ, really quick over here on the side. Um, do you think you should tell that story about Tony? Cause it's, it's, it's might be a little bit deprecating. I'm like, well, he thoroughly enjoys it. So I'm going to keep telling you. Okay. What you don't know, bro, is Tony just sent me a text telling me to tell that story and this whole group of people. <laughs> I'm like over here having an asthma attack laughing. We don't need any more asthma attacks out of you. Oh, Dude, man. I told your asthma attack story this past weekend to a group of people. The whole Walt still sleeping on the couch thing. I told the whole thing. I told the whole thing. Pam and I both told it. That's amazing. It, it is amazing. The story begins like this. Whenever Russ comes to Crown Point to visit us and other people who are passing on the scandalous news of Jesus, we have to keep it hidden because the police, in congruence with the local Crown Point government and the hospital system, are looking for him because he still has an outstanding bill that he refuses to pay. Russ is an outlaw in Crown Point, which, by the way, I'm wearing my Where in the Hell is Crown Point, Indiana t-shirt. I'm going to get one of these. Oh yeah, dude. I need that. When large. I come by, when I come down and, and visit you, I'll bring you one. Large, large husky. Large husky. Yeah, this is one of those like hipster shirts. It's got like the big kind of sleeves and it's like oversized and all that. Oh so, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, we've definitely about. we've definitely moved away from like the fitted, you know, kind of fashion, which is actually really good for me because the fitted stuff is not it's just not good. So I'm really enjoying the oversized. Well, yeah, I'm in my mid forties now. So yeah, <laughs> they're like, you want this fitted shirt? I'm like, hell no, I don't want that fitted shirt. Give me that baggy one. I love when the fashion trends like really go in your favor. Like, oh, oversized baggy stuff, sweet, sweet. Love this. 
get to hide all this. <laughs> so right, what speaking we get, of what are we get into today. Speaking of hiding, just kidding. No transition there. What we're getting into today, man, is the latter part of John chapter eight, where the story picks up after Jesus has made it known, right? This woman was caught in adultery. It was from what we can tell from the, from the text, it seems like it's a setup from the religious leader. She was definitely guilty just to be clear, but they use this to, as a means to try to justify themselves. Okay. And also as a means to try to shame Jesus before others. Because their whole sense of security is under threat right now. Because what Jesus is saying about what God is like is at war with what they think God is like. And what they think in regards to what God needs them to do and to accomplish Mm -hmm. is all in jeopardy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, These are the effects of religion. So coming out of all that, it kind of goes into this conversation where these guys are pressing Jesus again, once again, over and over throughout John. Man, who are you? right? Jesus talks about the father and how he bears witness to the father. Verse 19, they're like, you know, they said to him, well, where is your father? Because all they can think of is, you know, Joseph, right? Yeah. Uh, This carpenter. And Jesus answered them, you neither know me nor my father. Bottom line, you are religious people in search of control. You do not believe that God loves you and he is with you and he is present with you. You do not believe that he's going to do all that is needed for you to dwell with him forever. And so you live in this constant fear of missing out this myth of independence. Okay. And this endless pursuit of control. Hmm. I think that's what he's just ultimately revealing to them over and over and over. Yep. And so he says, you don't know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And then he says this in verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple but no one arrested him this time. I like that, right? This is a moment where they're like, damn, he's got us. (laughs) It's like we could lash out right now, but it's not going to go in our favor. Okay. And it says here that because his hour not yet come. All right. Verse 21. And so it says this. So he said to them again, I am going away. Just so you guys know, I'm going away. And you will seek me and you will die in your sin where I'm going. You cannot come like not mincing words. Okay. Mm -hmm. The sweet Jesus of orphans and lambs, you know what I mean? That we often like think about was also extremely honest. Okay. With people in regards to what is true and good. Mm -hmm. And so the Jews said, you know what? Will he kill himself since he says where I'm going? He cannot come like they're just straight clueless, man. And he said to them, he says, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he who will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them once again. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he sent, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. And it says that they did not understand him, that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, 
then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And you sent me as with me. I've made this clear. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many started to believe in him, except this religious crowd hanging on right to their essence of control. And dude, I'm just going to be straight honest here for a minute. 20 something years in like ministry experience, I've found myself and other people rally around this. Yeah, man, we align with those that, you know what I mean? That were, that needed to hear what Jesus said. And we were not like these people, man, that were like refusing him. You know what I mean? That he was pointing out. But the more I've done ministry, the more I found myself going, you know what? I think I and the people around me we're probably more aligned with these Pharisees than we thought we were. I think we were like in our name of being like, no man, I side with the oppressor or I'm sorry, the oppressed. You know what I mean? I don't sign with the oppressor. Yeah. I sign with the oppressed man. Like that's who I'm with. And that's who Jesus was for. And I'm not like those people. And all of a sudden you become just like those people Hmm. in the name of not being like them. And I think what it ultimately reveals is whether you're trying to defend yourself with not being an oppressor, even though you are, Hmm. or defending yourself by standing with the oppressed. In either case, whenever you make a case for who you are because of what you do, Hmm. you are declaring ultimately, I don't trust him Hmm. in this moment right now. I'm not believing that I am home and whole and free and one because of what Jesus did, which is why I'm having to make a case for who I am and who I'm not based on what I do. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden, all of humanity gets thrown into the bucket. Mm -hmm. And it has um, a lot of morality attached to it. So it's, it's, um, it's very attractive. Uh, to people who want to be uh, the good guy um, and the good gal. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of that floating around. I mean, it's, 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 it's impossible to buy a sparkling water these days without it doing some good in the universe, you know, like, Oh, buy these green beans. And like, you're going to like help get rid of MLS, you know? And, and yep. I can joke about that because I have people in my family that have died from MLS, but <clears throat> It's everything has, you know, a good attached to it. And I love what Jesus is saying here. Ultimately, like you're, you're, you are going to die in your sin. And what he means by that is you're going to die in your unbelief. All this, this whole entire thing that's happening here is all a reflection and is connected to your hard hearted unbelief. So I wanted to get into this last episode but I waited and I just want to show you just a couple of things of why I know that John, when he, when he says and uses the word sin, he's referring to unbelief. The first is in eight 24. If you see there, you just read it. Mm. Um, He goes, I'm from above. You're of this world. Uh, Or I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So notice how he's contrasting 
their being in their sins and dying in their sins. And what the opposite of that is, is believing in me. That's what he means by that. So again, in John 16, eight to nine, a little bit later on, Jesus is talking to the disciples. It's this upper room discourse. Judas is still there. The original OG 12 are there. And he says, and when he comes, he's talking about the spirit. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Notice the next line concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So when John primarily uses sin, when, when, even when he attaches it to Jesus's words, like after the, you know, take up your palate and walk, or even the last podcast of like the woman, like caught in adultery, go and sin no more. What he's saying is don't live a life of unbelief, live a life of belief of trusting. And yes, does unbelief, the sin of unbelief, does it make way and give way to other sins? Yeah, man, for sure. Absolutely. But like when, especially in John's writings, what he's talking about here, like you're going to die in your sin, not like you're going to die in your like tax evasion, or you're going to die in your like kicking dogs or, you know, your lies mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, dude, you literally are so hard hearted. It is impossible for you to even hear the words I'm saying, because you have already made up in your mind that you're not going to believe in me. Even though I'm walking around all of freaking Galilee and Jerusalem, I'm doing stuff that no one else can do. I'm multiplying food. I'm making people stand up and walk who have been born lame. I am, I'm literally, I'm, I'm proving to you from the scriptures that I am he. And at every turn, if you actually had any inclination, any, any interest, any, any interest of, you know, inquisitiveness about you that maybe this might be the dude and you see it from the crowds the crowds are like yeah we believe every Mm -hmm. every moment like a little bit more believe here and there right but this crew man that is like so has so much to lose they are so hard-hearted and they will not believe because it means they don't get to be the hero anymore which is what i think you're getting at yeah i think that's 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 it man um you know there are organizations out there businesses that have made millions and millions of dollars in helping companies market themselves in a way that that make the buyer feel like the hero of their story Mm -hmm. because people want to be the hero of their story Mm -hmm. and we look at that in the marketing world we're like makes total sense and there's a a multi-million dollar enterprise in and around that but we don't ever stop and go just because something's normal doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's good. Right. I've got a neighbor who has gone through a few divorces and has just talked about like his normal desire to try to hook up with any lady that he meets and then goes on to justify it because it well, it's just a normal thing for me. It's how I've always normally been since I was like 16 I've just always had this like this this sort of like infatuation with women and that time together. And because it's normal to me, this must be good. And I'm like, well, let's unpack that in your life. How much good has that led to? Right. And it's just like disharmony after disharmony after disharmony after disharmony. Yeah. 
But for him, it's like, well, no, it must be good because it's normal, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, it's not true. And I'm looking at that, you know, like in this case, man, and I'm, and for me, there's just so much here because I think ultimately at the end of the day, the religious leaders think they are devout because of what they believe. Okay. The practices in their life, the ethics that they, that they strive to live out. And Jesus is revealing them that they are not devout because of their religious effort, because their religious effort is sinful. Mm. And that's what you've been, I feel like speaking to over the last few minutes, like Romans is pretty plain for that, which does not proceed from faith is sin. Sin. Yeah. It's the most radical indictment of human virtue in all of the Bible, mm-hmm. all the good that you seek and all the good that you, tri- that you strive to do if not rooted in, right, the, the belief of what God has done to bring us home, to make us one with him. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately just another effort to justify ourselves. And that I think that is at the core of the crowd that Jesus is talking to. Sure. So when he talks to them about like, you guys are going to die in your sin, man, it's a reference to the fact that these guys are going to die in their independence. Yep. I think when we read that, we're like, oh yeah, man, they're going to die and they're, you know, stealing from their neighbor and they're going to die and they're lusting for the lady next door. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're going to die in the nature Mm -hmm. of this myth of independence. Yeah. That they're somehow over here, God's over there. And if they can just get it together, right. Well, then they'll be the people that he desires and he can use. Yeah. Well, if and you think because about of it, that, just really quick, if you think about it, it's yeah. like, you know, how we talk about like faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. Unbelief mm-hmm. and independence are two sides of the same coin too. In yes. fact, like if you, if you, if you don't believe, meaning the implication is like trust, it's like something outside of yourself. At least that's how, when Jesus yeah. invites us to believe, that's what he means. Like believe in him, Right. Because the truth will him. set you, truth will set you free. We're going to get into yeah. that in a second. The then the immediate like application of that, or the first expression of that, is a massive trust in yourself and your own resources yep. and your independence. And he's he's calling them on this mm-hmm. that you guys are refusing me and all that I've been saying and doing, and you're not grabbing on to the fact that I'm from above you know, and you're not and who I am and what I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to hang on to this myth of independence. And what I'm saying is just straight up at war with it. So you're only interested in a Messiah that offers a helping hand. I think is what he's saying to them. You're not interested in a Messiah that invites you to die to the whole mythical project of you. You don't think I'm, I'm trustworthy. The God that you keep claiming, you don't trust. The God that you keep holding up is good and beautiful. And Jesus is enough. Those songs that you sing. Yeah. You don't actually believe that, Mm -hmm. which is why you continuously return to the religious practices that assure yourself that you're okay because of what you do and what you don't do and what you think and what you believe, what you don't think and what you don't believe, AKA religion. Mm -hmm. 
And it just kind of made me really like press into that. Cause I'm like, man, these guys, he's telling them you're going to die in the sin of your independence because you think independence is your need. And the Messiah is here to help. Imagine that dude. Imagine spending your whole life in pursuit of a lie. And in the end, only to find yourself completely devoid of the truth and the very meaning you've always sought. All in the name of doing good, of being right. That's what they're in jeopardy of. Mm -hmm. And they don't see this. And I think Jesus is making known you know, all this to them. But long story short, man, is it, it just really made me stop and think about just the nature of just modern Christianity you know, just modern forms and ideas of church and discipleship and just finding myself looking at that and going, number one, I've ascribed to much of that and taught it to be clear. So I'm not same. standing above it, looking down, but same. I can at the same time, look at it right now and say, wow, what you guys are pushing in the name of following Jesus is actually the opposite of following Jesus. Hmm. What you're holding up as faith is actually religion. It's a pursuit of control. It's not faith at all. Yeah. Where you, your, your refusal to grab onto the reconciliation of all things in the cross today is no different than it was with these people 2000 years ago. And yet we think of like, no, 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 we've progressed. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're the same. Mm. We're the same. And I'm just seeing it everywhere, man. Like, I'll just give you a quick, for instance, like just in the last 48 hours, I've had people throw out, you know, just the importance of what Francis Chan talked about and just, man, we just need to be really careful right now that we're not educated beyond our obedience. We can't be educated beyond our obedience, man. This is so important. We need to slow down, look at what's really, truly commanded in the scriptures and get real serious, man, about keeping these things true. And it's be better for us to grab onto three of them right now versus five more Bible studies that land us in needing to try to keep 10 of them. You know what I mean? That we can't. Let's go keep three and then add three more and then three more and then three more. And then we'll become the people, man, that really keep what the scriptures say. Sure. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, that's not possible. It never was possible. And that's what Jesus is saying to this very crowd. You think that there's this independent you that needs to become something better with a little bit of the Messiah's help. And so that's what you're seeking. And here the Messiah is standing in front of you and you're refusing to believe in him. Because what he's revealing is that you don't need a few things that you need to do better. And then next year, a few more things. And then next year, a few more things. And then you'll become this person that looks like Jesus. What I'm revealing to you is that you need to get lost in the life of Jesus because you can't keep, don't keep, and won't keep any of these things mm -hmm. in the truest nature of what they are. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's, I'm just looking at it and going, damn, dude, it's literally no different today than it was 2000 years ago. I've got, you know, people talking about, you know, a recent quote, man, was just in regards to a guy who was just talking about discipleship. 
sermons, man, like information are not enough. Bible studies are not enough. We need people who grab other people to go walk in the ways of Jesus. And it's in walking in these ways and these rhythms and these disciplines that they become like people in Jesus, the Comers, the Dan White juniors, you know what I mean? The Hershey's you throw all those in this camp. And there's so much that they say that I like, and I agree with, and I like these guys and I can go amen on some of it, but I'm looking at the nature of it and going, we can't keep and do and walk in these things in accordance to what holiness and righteousness actually is. Mm -hmm. That's why we need a savior, not a guide. It's why we need, you know, resurrection instead of reform. We've said this a million times. But I'm looking at this thing and going, dude, the improvement theology, this idea that God exists to make you and me better, and we become better by walking in practices that make us more like Jesus. And all we need is some good guides around us to go do these things that somehow result in us becoming something better. And going, that's exactly what the religious crowd thought that Jesus is wrestling with. In John chapter eight, mm-hmm. improvement's not an option when resurrection is your need. No. I, I just I have a million other examples of that, man. But you know, I don't I don't want to get bogged down in all of them or throw anyone under the bus. To be clear, as much as I'm just saying that these statements are not true in accordance to what Jesus reveals in his teachings, and then eventually his death and resurrection. Well, in John 8, the issue with the crew that is constantly trying to trip him up, constantly arguing with him, plotting his murder and wanting him gone, um, is Jesus says of them that they need to be set free. Yes. Meaning there is not something tweaked. He's not, he, Jesus isn't showing up to the theological Thursday night discussion of, you know, Talmud where it's, you know, the theological debates about what this means and like showing everybody up and like, you know, that he is so much wiser and more theologically precise. That's not where he's not having these conversations at uh-huh. Thursday, Thursday night Talmud study. Um. <clears throat> They need to be set free. There's a level of blindness. There's a level of blindness. There's something that they need to move away from altogether, not tweak, not fine tune, not just kind of tip it in a different direction. They need to be completely set free from it. And the offer that he gives them to be set free is in himself, him, him. And we will attach Jesus to a million different things, a million different rallying cries around, you know, obedience, rallying cries around different expressions, rallying cries about ways to embed ourselves in culture and in society and in our communities. But Jesus' constant invitation is just to himself. Yeah, it's just to him. So in eight thirty one, 
He says, so Jesus said to him with others. So Jesus said to him, to those who had even believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then they start arguing with him about being about the need for being free. So they're believing in him, meaning they're starting to think to themselves, this is, this is him. This is really the dude, right? But Jesus says, listen, what you really need to do here is not just get caught up in the Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers Circus act that's kind of going on here of making people, you know, stand up and walk and pallets and like all the food and Mm -hmm. multiplication and all the hype. You need to sit with what I'm saying. Just sit. And the verb here is meno. It's not even so much of a doing verb as much as it is. It's just like, stay put, don't move, don't do anything. Just stop. And just sit with what I'm saying to you. It's it, dude. It's actually very akin to just belief itself. You mean the like word the word abide. trust or faith? Yeah, yes. Yes. Really? It means it's almost like this. It's almost like this, this permanence. In fact, later on, he uses the same word to talk about his position in the father's house, that the son abides in the house forever. Yeah. It's just a permanent position. Yeah. And so these, these dudes, man, like, they're just, they will not sit with his word. They would yeah. rather run into action. They would rather run into, it's like the workers in the vineyard field who, as soon as they see the first little head of a weed, they want to rush into the field and pluck all the evil out of the world. And yep. they think they're going to bring about the kingdom. They think they're in congruence with the kingdom. They think they're in sync with the kingdom in their doing. And constantly Jesus is saying, no, dude, just come die and sit and abide in my word. Listen to what I'm saying to you and believe because the truth, not the truth, not a political truth, not a theological truth. The truth is a synonym for Jesus here because the truth, the son, me, I will set you free from your, from your illusion. Yeah. As you'll see later in John 14, Jesus makes it true. He is the truth. Yes. All that is true is measured against him who is true. Love Martin Luther King. Love all the political activists. Love all the good in the world. That's all great and good. And everybody who's ever used this phrase, the truth shall set you free. The truth is a person. He has a name. And it's Jesus. That's what he means by this. Yeah. Not your ability to grab on to all of it, but the fact that the reality in him has already set you free mm-hmm. because that's what he does. But what I'm seeing, dude, is, is I'm watching in the name of discipleship and church and being faithful. This mm-hmm. constantly gets undone today. No different than it did in Jesus's day. Yeah. The spirit of self-reliance. Okay is still in search of a Messiah and still pushing a Messiah who's an add-on. These guys were looking at, to Jesus as an add-on to what they knew. He just came to help push what they knew a little further down the road to make it happen. Not a replacement of what they knew. Yeah. And man, there's just a difference in that. You know, I came across a Willard quote, man, that's been pushed like crazy lately. 
He says, if we do not preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, of what Jesus did, but preach that, you know, that some other gospel, you know, that we cannot listen to this. If we don't do this, this is what he says. We cannot progress in the formation of character into Christ likeness. And so that's where you watch like the sneakiness of this come in, you know, that no, 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 we're preaching the same gospel, but we're doing this because it's in, in doing this gospel of the kingdom. And what they mean by that is the ethics and the practices that we think are needed to bring about a better you and me. If we preach that gospel, you know, the one without the hole in it. Yeah. If we do that, well, then then you and me can progress into the formation of some new Christ-likeness character that's available to us. As if through Jesus, we haven't all already been reconciled and made whole, home, one, free, and holy in him. And so you just kind of watch like, dude, there it is. In the name of something really good and beautiful, here it comes again which I think is why it's so hard, man, to live into this freedom of Jesus and to pass on the freedom of Jesus. The religious nature in us and the religious noise around us, dude, is constantly drawing me and you to something we can do, something that we can hold, something that we can form, something that we can make happen, something that we can measure, okay? Something that we can manage, that we can point to, that we can see with our eyes and go, see, this is finally good. Now we're right. And if other people see this, now they'll go, yes, I must believe in Jesus because these guys have now mastered this thing. Yep. And I think that's what Jesus is addressing at the core is like this whole thing he's saying to them is that this independent nature that you think's available is what's keeping you from grabbing onto life itself. And you're going to literally die in it is what he tells mm-hmm. them. Yep. You're going to die. Yeah. I think it's religious why, pursuit. I think it's why he's inviting them to sit with his words. Yes. Because we are, we will immediately layer on top of what Jesus is saying, all of our religion. And we yep. will try to, um, we will try to make his words have continuity with all of our independence, all of our doing and all of our spiritual activity. Yep. To the point where even if we invite someone to trust simply in Jesus, we will call it an anemic gospel with a hole in it. Can't it can't just be that. If you go do what Jesus himself did and go do and live into what he proclaimed, it has a hole in it. But if you go do what Jesus didn't do, which is live in this endless anxiety and insecurity of needing to accomplish something on your own, and then go offer a practice that Jesus didn't teach, well, now it's full. Think about that, man. The opposite has become the norm and accepted. And what's true and beautiful is pushed to the side. Because the same damn 
obsession with control and independence and what we can see that mm-hmm. Jesus was battling against with these Pharisees is right. true today in me and you and all of us. I think that's why he had to say like, listen, man, like I'm from above. You're from below. Such a good point. Like, like you, there is a wisdom of the world that you have been born into and it's all, you know, and it's right-handed. It's built on conditions. If you want something to happen, you need to make it happen yourself. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And yes, that is the way of the world. That is the way of the world. And since we live in the world, that wisdom is needed and you need to step into it in a variety of different places, work, community, home, all of it. If I want my grass cut, I am not going to trust Jesus to get my grass cut. I got to go tell my 16 year old to do it. Um, I have to go contend with my 14 year old to do it. And that's why he says, I come from above, you are from below. We have, we have layered on top of the words of Jesus, the wisdom of the world. Yeah. That I am essential. That in order to get this done, we need to grab the kingdom. We need to throw a lasso onto the kingdom up in the sky yeah. and drag it down here in our doing, in our obedience, in our emulation, in our discipleship. And you know what's sad, bro? It's a lot of these things at their core, they're not bad. Sitting with someone in the scriptures, walking with someone, being a friend, loving, yep. serving, all of it, it's great. Yeah, giving. It's great. But until Amen. you die to thinking that a shred of that, a shred of it, is needed needed like god needs it you dude until you die which is why i think he's offering them freedom because i think friendship i think all all these things are great but until you until the string that is attached to that thing and your significance and your salvation and God doing anything in this world is completely severed. That thing is forever going to be about you and you are not going to be free to truly walk in love. No, no, it'll always be some means to something that you think is done or needed or accomplished because of your doing. Mm -hmm. And in that, this thing that you call faith is not faith at all. This thing that you call Christianity is no longer Christianity. What you're offering that you call good news is no longer good news. The people you're serving that you call friends are now projects. What you're pointing to as love is not love. And it just kind of goes back to the, the letting go and the walking in the simple, spontaneous work of whatever the Spirit's doing, and then just being grateful for it later on. That you just got to walk in it. You got to join in what he was doing this unplanned, spontaneous life of Jesus. It's beautiful. The doing is all good, man. Like I'm all for the doing. Yeah. It's just all the things that we think are needed to be done and how we do it and how it happens and what it achieves is robbing everyone of the beauty of what it actually is. Yeah. And we're saying, no, 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 we're making disciples. These are true disciples. And I'm going, do you realize how much effort's been done over the last 20 years in the name of making true disciples? 
that's actually the opposite of what making a disciple is, you're leading people into a further pursuit of religion, all in the name of leading them out of religion. You're leading them into what you're calling true discipleship, which is actually the opposite of being a disciple of Jesus. And I mean, all the way to the point where somebody that I've known and hung out with, dude, over the past and even taught with, Hirsch, was recently just talking about how excited he is that he got invited by Pope Francis to come meet with the Catholic Church to talk about new missional forms of church within Catholicism. And all these Christian leaders, like Dude, Vanderson, all these people fry, that we're talking to, and they're all going, yeah, amen, amen, dude. How amazing is this? You know, the problem with the church is how we gather. But if we could just get more missional structures, you know, with the hierarchy and all that's needed, it's just as long as it's smaller. Well, dude, that medium, that medium is going to bring about all the change in the world. How amazing is this? And I'm, I'm looking at this thing and going, wait a second. So we're now cheering people coming in to offer solutions for a better way of passing on more religion in the name of Jesus. And this is good. And the whole thing for me just goes right back to that very first verse, man, that I mentioned. You guys have an independent understanding of your life apart from God and what it is and how he works so that you become essential in making something happen because you think it needs to happen. And what it is that you believe and what it is that you're pursuing and what it is that you're teaching others to do are actually the opposite of what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. You're going to die in your independent pursuit of Christianity that actually has nothing to do with the very Christ who came to undo your religious understanding of Christianity. It still That's what Jesus is away. making known. It still blows me away that the only threat to the field in the, <laughs> in the parable of the, of the wheat, um, the wheat and the weeds. I know there's a couple of them. The only threat to the field is not the that enemy. Bro. And that's not the enemy that came in and planted the bad seed. Oh, he says, not even the bad grow. seed. He says, let it grow. Let it go. Let it grow. The only threat to the field is the good that the servants want to do. Yep. The religious just, good that the servants want to do. Just sit with that. And when I say Bro. sit, I mean like abide, like just, just sit, like abide in my, like when Jesus is saying abide in my word and my word, but uh, my word abides in you just sit, just menno with that phrase right there. Just menno with those words of Jesus. That's it. I think that's the whole summary, man, at the end of the chapter, he's made it known over and over and over and over and over again of who he is and where he's from and why he's come and what he's revealing. And he keeps having to do this because the religious crowd around him keeps contending with what he's yeah. revealing. And there's that war their with their imaginary, right. Their imaginary understanding of independence, AKA the sin of self-reliance. It's your nature. Yeah. What Jesus is saying is at war with your nature. Yep. Yet it's everything you need. And then they start to invoke Abraham 
He goes, you guys are enslaved. He goes, we've never been enslaved to anyone. We're sons of Abraham. (laughs) And it's like, dude. And then he comes back to faith. He comes back to trusting. He goes, if you were Abraham's kids, you'd be doing the things that Abraham was doing, meaning you would follow the Godfather of faith and you would trust in me because I'm the seed that was going to come from Abraham. Yeah. Everything Abraham was supposed to be about, everything that Abraham was making known of what would be accomplished in and through him is me, a.k.a. you have sucked at it since the day of Abraham. (laughs) So that is now being fulfilled in and through my perfect life for your life, my death for your death. My resurrection will be your resurrection. This is the good news. We need to be set free, man. We don't need fresh formulas. No, no. No, we need freedom. We need a life of trust. We need friends that encourage us to keep trusting. And we need to offer friendship that helps other people trust. Yep. The root. This is the way I wrote it down. I'll just say, I can say really quickly, man. Like when I was thinking over this whole end of this chapter, religion is focused Close with this. Religion is focused on what it can see, okay? The fruit of our lives. Christianity is focused on him we cannot see, the very root and essence of our lives. The crowd saw Jesus as an add-on to what they already had, not the fulfillment of it, so they could finally be free and live the unplanned lives of faith and the dance known as the Trinity. That's what we've been invited into. In all of our flaws, in all of our failures, that's what we've been invited into, is to trusting that reality so we can live in that dance. Cheers to that. Until next time.